Welcome to Emerge, the radio show. I'm Sham, producer for the Emerge team. Thanks so much for joining us today. This week, we chatted up with Diamond Riddick, owner of Jay's Luxury Candles. We're also speaking with Chastity Corbett, founder of the Social Butterflies Foundation, a grassroots organization dedicated to helping those battling with lupus and fibromyalgia, as well as their families. All of that, plus, of course, we'll make a divine decision with Dorothea, and Dishana will give us her two cents on finance. Let's get into it and kick things off with some amazing tips to help you emerge as a CEO. We are tiptoeing over with Tiffany into the CEO's Corner. Welcome to the CEO Corner, the go-to destination for tips on emerging and thriving in the business world. I'm your CEO, Tiffany Boyle, and today we're diving into a critical aspect of leadership, decision-making. So fasten your seatbelts as we explore the art and science of making sound decisions for your business success. In the dynamic landscape of entrepreneurship, decision-making is the compass that guides your business journey. Whether it's navigating challenges or seizing opportunities, the decisions you make can shape the destiny of your company. Let's begin by emphasizing the importance of informed decision-making. In a world flooded with data, it's crucial to gather relevant information and insights before making any significant decisions. Knowledge is power and a well-informed decision is more likely to lead to positive outcomes. Now, let's talk about strategic decision-making. Every decision should align with your overall business strategy. Consider the long-term impact and how each choice contributes to the growth and sustainability of your company. Speed is often the essence in business. But that doesn't mean hasty decisions. Striking the right balance between promptness and thoughtfulness is key. Take the time needed to analyze and evaluate, but also be agile in your decision-making process. Decision-making is not a solitary endeavor. Involve key stakeholders, seek input from your team, and encourage a collaborative approach. Diverse perspectives can uncover blind spots and lead to a more well-rounded decisions. Let's also address the reality of decision fatigue. As a leader, the sheer volume of choices can be overwhelming. Prioritize decisions, delegate where possible, and conserve your mental energy for the most critical matters. And that's a wrap-up of today's CEO Corner on the art of decision-making. Remember, in the world of business, decisions are the building blocks of success. May your decisions be wise, strategic, and propel your business to new heights. Until next time, lead with purpose and make every decision count. I'm Tiffany Boyle, and that's my tip from the CEO Corner. Follow us on Facebook, search Emerge Radio Show. On Instagram, Emerge the Magazine. And online, EmergeTheMagazine.com. Today we have Diamond Riddick. Diamond, we're so excited to have you. Welcome to the Emerge Show. Yes, thank you for having me today. All right, so we'd love to hear a little and a lot about you, Diamond. So just kind of give us some background. Tell us how you got started. Tell us a little bit about your business. All right, so um, my name's Diamond, um, or you can call me Diamond Michelle. That's my hosting name. I'm the owner of Jay's Luxury Candles, I'm the host of Be Blouted Podcast. And yes, I host some events around here. I also 
also do event curating, but that was more geared towards my candle business. So my candle business, Jay's Luxury Candles, we started in 2021. It's named after my son, which I had in 2021 as well. And I opened for business January 1st, 2022. It's been a very interesting journey as an entrepreneur. Now, my podcast, my first shooting was back in September, my birthday weekend. I wanted to make it special for myself. And then after that, I threw a watch party for my first one. And we just been creating content since. Well, congratulations, Miss Diamond. I am super excited. <laughs> so I have to take it back, right? Because you said a mouthful. You said you have a candle business. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm seeing more and more people, not with a candle business per se, but you know, back in the day, I feel like I'm, I'm dating myself. And I say that it used to be like the paint and sips where you can go and they mm-hmm. teach something. Now I'm seeing all like the date night. Let's make a candle together. And I'm just like, this is a whole thing. So talk to me about how you got into making candles. So actually it started with me making, like I was mixing stuff in the diffuser for my son because he had a cold one night. And then it turned into, oh, well, this would be a smart idea to make some candles. And then it turned into me presenting my business plan to my dad and him investing in it. So yeah. And then I started building me a little team. Of course, I have my mom. My son is the candle sniffer. So he smells the candles. My lover, she is the one who makes sure the business is in, in motion and making sure I stay on my P's and Q's. My dad is the one who makes the decisions about what I'm doing though as far as my business goes and you know product pricing and that things in nature and my mom she's just like my seller helper so I have my little family team that, you know you have a whole family business and let <laughs> yeah. me say you're forgetting that baby started early let me tell you that baby got a job as a candle sniffer <laughs> I know that's a lot of work isn't it right I love that <laughs> that is so. very important because baby frowns his face up you like man hey this might not be the scent I want to go with <laughs> right and you know when he don't like something, he goes, mm-mm, mommy's stinky. So I'm like, okay, well, that clearly isn't it. And you know, that's great because children at that young age, you know, they're not lying to you. <laughs> no, they're definitely not. <laughs> they, it's almost like this is the time where they don't lie because he's only two years old. So, you know, they don't see any harm in the things that they do, especially like if they smell something and it stinks and they're like, oh, stinky. But they're just like, that's kind of cool that it stinks. But then it's like, oh, I just want to let you know that this <laughs> does stink now. But then you can't take it like personal because it's like, they're telling the truth right. and that's what you're looking for it's the friend that doesn't lie I love that the friend that doesn't lie <laughs> the best bestie but the friend that don't lie yes I, I just love the whole idea as Shane was saying you're giving your family a sense of ownership in your business you know your entrepreneur and it's like you're giving them giving them a share in it and I absolutely love that thank you so talk to us about this podcast so be blunt about it I actually started my podcast one because I just like to talk in originally the the original one was supposed to be called um baby mama's off duty and it was gonna be with me and my best friend and I was just gonna be you know simple girl talk but then I have such a love for music and I'm not a musical person I mean I don't produce I don't write it but if you ask me for my opinion on it I will provide it to you and people actually believe my opinion I manage an artist his name is JVN as well um so he was one of my first people that I got to put on my podcast and use as my product of what would I say my my testing um to see how it will look, how I want to do my creations, how I want to do my edits and things. Um, but how I kind of got into it was just, like I said, starting with my best friend was my goal. But then when I figured out what I wanted to start about, because I realized I kind of need a, a topic, a generalized topic that we normally talk to, talk about. But right now I'm in the process of revamping. So everybody just has to wait and see what the revamp is about. But lately I interviewed a lot of um, music artists. Um, I did some media for a couple of
couple of shows as well. Um, so yeah, I was at Something in the Water. I shot media for RBG show, the summer walk, uh, the summer, not what it's called. Um, can't even think of it. Uh, Something in the Water kickoff at the bunker. I was there. I did some media at one of Team Lamb's things and I did one for a gay pride event uh, at the Norva. So I kind of just combined a lot of things that I like, which is talking, um, mm-hmm. photography, videography, and just combined it into one and interviewing, music, all of it. And I put it in one and then spit it out with a product of more than just a podcast. I love that. And I love that you said Team Lamb. Shout out to Team Lamb. They are oh, like, Team Lamb. So yes. they link us up with some of the most amazing people. And I love that for us. Yes. yes. I um actually hosted a show for them. It was probably about three months ago. Um, And then I ended up working with it. it definitely opened a lot of doors for me. Shout out to G Lit because she definitely put me in the, the hands of these people to be able to talk with them and meet different creators to the point where I'm able to have uh, this more like versatile business amount of people, business oriented people around me. So definitely love that. But Team Lamb, yes, he's definitely gave me some opportunities as well when it comes to hosting, being a vendor. My candles are actually in his shop, the Lamb Shop. Check that out as well. Northampton Boulevard. Yes, that's right. We love it. Yes, Team Lamb is definitely family. I uh, love those guys over there. Israel is like my personal like brother. Um, as the Shane has said, they've put us in the path with so many amazing people. You know, it's called like networking, and you know, mm-hmm. we yeah, and we actually have a partnership with them at Apex at Virginia Beach for the first Thursdays. Have you popped into that? I haven't, not yet. And okay. it's only because I, I started working again. You know, the entrepreneurship, I wanted to tap into it today with y'all, but the entrepreneurship world is real and is not talked about enough because what we see on the internet versus the actual everyday lifestyle for one is so different. So, <laughs> you know yes. what? I'm so glad you said that. We just had an interview with an artist and the one thing he said, if I don't remember anything, else, said, hey, I'm going to tell y'all what I did. I'm not saying I advise this. This is just what worked for me. And he was talking about how he kind of went all into his artistry and growing that into a business and brand and quit his job. And I was so thankful he said that because on social media, it's like, hey, jump all in, quit your job, no plan Bs. And I'm just like, yes, but you probably planned to do that before you just quit your job. And that's the important piece that I feel a lot of people are missing. I did something similar. So back in February, I was working for this job that I had worked for a couple of times and I switched to the department. Long story short, me and management didn't get along. So I was released and I also released myself. Um, then I started working for myself and I hopped right in there. Now, granted, I had got this job. Now I did not like it. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to take the full faith. Maybe this is my step and I'm going to try it. But then I found that there's so many processes and there's so much time that you're actually struggling. And then the day that you're up is a great day for you. But then it's almost like for people that's used to working a nine to five and then they jump out of there and not have that stability that you're used to where you're getting that bi-weekly or you're getting that weekly, that's a very big shakeup. I, I kind of think that you have to look at your your situation first. Pay attention to just you, not everybody else, not your friend, your cousin, the girl on TikTok that you're seeing, the girl on Instagram, Facebook, not them because they're not living what you're living. So you have to set into your reality. So even when it comes to like your bills, just balancing your bills, but do you want to have more to be able to go out and spend 
spend and actually enjoy? Or are you at this point just hustling to make sure the bills are paid? Which that might be great for some, you know, some just want to make sure their bills are paid. But then there's some of us that likes to travel. We like these expensive things. We want to do this. We want to do that. And our nine to five allows us to do that. Our entrepreneur job, you know, is not allowing us to necessarily do that because we're having to pick up off the ground. We're having to find opportunities where we can. And sometimes, you know, teams are so built and already so steady that they're not looking to add anybody new or looking for anything additional as far as an outsider. So I think it's, like I said, kind of situation based. And if you can do it, if it's realistic for your life and your lifestyle and it, you can make those ends meet, then hey, so be it. But me personally, I said, no, ma'am, I need to go back to work. I, I like to go here. I, I like to keep my nails done, my hair done. I'm a little bougie with it. So, and I like to eat out a lot. So, and I know these things. So it's like being realistic with myself is, well, you might have to go back and work a little bit until you can get your business completely where you want it to be at. Not saying to stop your dreams, not saying to pause your dreams, not saying to not put your all into it, but I'm saying you have to be realistic. Rent is expensive. Food is expensive. (laughs) You are not bougie. It sounds like you are a lot like me. We like to live in abundance. It's not bougie. Mm -hmm. We just thoroughly want to enjoy life. So I understand. I still have my nine to five and I have multiple businesses. One thing that has worked for me was, okay, this is my business. There's nobody who's around that's going to say, hey, Deshaney, you have to get this done. I know what the goal is. I know what I'm working for. And I had to give myself certain days and business hours. So I know Mm -hmm. this day I'm dedicating my time to magazine, to the radio show. On this day, I'm dedicating my time to follow up with clients for my financial services business. So I think it's just that balance. And if you're not disciplined like that, Mm -hmm. you're not having the type of job where you have to be self-motivated. It can be really hard on an entrepreneur journey. Yes. And you said the the right word, which is discipline. And I'm not even going to lie to nobody that hears this. Discipline has not been my biggest thing for myself, meaning I have not always been the most disciplined when it comes to things. But I will say that I don't like my life to be unbalanced. So I always have to get back to get back on the course and get back disciplined. But it's never been a consistent thing with myself. So lately, it's more of been a fight appreciate myself going through that full stage of entrepreneurship without, you know, having the nine to five because you have to see what it looks like to like be full in so you can understand people around you. It builds a more, uh, I guess I'll say builds more character to when you deal with others that are completely doing this on a regular because this might be all they got. Maybe they have reasons why they can't get a job, you know what I'm saying? And that's all they can do. So for me, I had to learn how to be disciplined. And then when I said I come back to work, I said, I'm gonna do the same thing that I'm doing now, but just kind of, uh, which I but you have to really like discipline yourself outside of that. So I can go to work for somebody else. And I feel like if I can go work for somebody else and have that discipline there, then I should be able to do that exempt that itself like later when it's time for me to just sit down by myself, not on somebody else's payroll and look at it like, okay, I need to sit down for an hour and do this. I need to sit down for another hour and do packaging. It's just finding the time is the only problem once you start going back to that nine to five, because now you're back in that spot where it's like, okay, I get off at five o'clock. I know I need to, you know, get the kids to together. I, I, I got to get myself together. And that's where the problem with my discipline came. Cause it's like, uh, where's the time for myself in there? me time. Right. And you know what? I'm glad you said about discipline. This is one thing I, you know, on social media, we document everything. And I had, mm-hmm. I had I'm like, hey, with your business, you you document a lot. You know, I said, how do you draw the line between, you know, this is too much? She was like, well, I don't show all of it. She said, but for me, that discipline and consistency, she said, that was the thing I struggled with. She said, so I started recording myself doing the things I knew I needed to do. She said, so that was her way to hold herself accountable like, and create content for her to post. I 
said, well, I'll be darned. <laughs> I never thought about it. Like I said, well, that's a smart way to do things. Like looking back at yourself and how much time it takes you to do stuff. And then also using that to promote your business and show what you're doing on social media. Yes. Time management is essential. Um, I was an entrepreneur and it was related to cosmetology. But what I learned early was when I managed my books, almost like a doctor's office, the amount of people that I allowed to come in and the increments of time, it always produced more, you know, profit. I felt um, a sense of, you know, uh, accomplishment knowing that, okay, I did this many people in this amount of time and this is how much money I generated per hour. So yeah, that time management is good as to where now I'm working again and no longer a cosmetologist. And I'm actually like what um, Deshana is saying, I work a nine to five. I'm enjoying that, but I'm also doing, you know, a side business and, you know, wanting to sew into that. But where my life is and where I am, realistically, I need that nine to five. And I like it because it keeps me disciplined, like you guys said, mm-hmm. to help me with that second job, you know, that second, you know, business. Because I felt like once I left one place, like once I went working at my other place, my nine to five anymore, everything became unbalanced because then the daytime would come and I'm used to being, you know, at work from the daytime. Not saying I couldn't add the extra work on, but now it's like, well, there's nothing to do. Put on my toes. I got some me time here. So I'm going to just chill for a little bit. And instead, it's almost like I started just trying to find stuff to do, but then it, it wasn't compensating me was the problem. And I'm like, okay, so now I'm doing stuff. I'm work free basically. And I still got bills that got to get paid. So where is the balance with this all that? And then when I got back to my nine to five and it's just like the discipline immediately started because I know if I don't get here by 830, well, I won't be here anymore because I won't have a job. So I know that I get off at five o'clock so I can set my schedule up based off of me getting off at five and going from there. So that discipline is, is very important. It is. And you know, then I, I'm loving this conversation because you touch on so many things that I know a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with, but they probably don't say openly. And that's like when you're you're not working a traditional job and you just have your business, making sure you're doing the right thing. Because a lot of people, you know, and I used to be one of them. We like making lists and checking stuff off the list. Right. And we say we're productive, but really we're not. We're busy. And so people mm-hmm. are line defining, OK, what am I doing? That's just me being busy. And what are the productive things I'm doing that could generate income? Right. And so, hey, if you're when you're out there listening, being busy is not necessarily a good thing. If you're busy doing stuff that's not going to help produce you. Mm-hmm. Any, you know what I mean? So, yeah. And to speak to that, it's I have this conversation on the regular because it's like I always hate stuff doing stuff that has no purpose. And I'm not saying that, you know, you going to go to this event and do this and meet these people is no purpose. There's a purpose for that. You're going there to network. But if I go there and I'm supposed to be vending, just an example, I'm a candle vendor. So why would I go to a, a rock concert? It wouldn't make sense for me to be in that that place. Does that make sense of what I'm trying to relate that to? No, absolutely. Why would you sow yourself, sow your time in a place that you know you're not reaping? You can sow mm-hmm. that time in another area. It's, it's definitely, like you said, about being productive and not being busy. We can all be busy, but are we producing where we're using that energy and expending that time? And that is definitely where you separate the wise and and the unwise. And I'm not calling. And I mean, in my own experience, too, you know, you learn from those things like using that wisdom is, you know, is always great. Of course, I always related to like uh, having a friend that is just a friend where they're just with everybody, though, like they don't actually have a specific friend group. They just kind of everywhere because every time you see them, they're just somewhere you just happen to keep seeing them everywhere and that's how I look at your business like you don't want to 
be known for just being everywhere. You want to be known for your product, for your service, for what you're able to provide to the customer. Not because, oh, every time I go out, I see Jay's Luxury Candles. Like, yeah, that's a great thing. But are they purchasing from you? Like, are you making the funds off of the time that you're being at these places while you're just standing there having conversations? Because conversations ain't paying bills, unfortunately. I wish it did because we all probably be rich, but <laughs> that's not the case. So it's like with artists, I see a lot of artists where they're trying to be in every place. You know, of course, you want to definitely be in everybody's mouth and everybody's mind. But at the same token, are you in places where you're able to pick up different listeners instead of different artists? I see a lot of artists in one room, if that makes sense, instead of seeing artists in a room with other listeners. For sure. That that makes a lot of sense. And I see the artists in the room. I'm like, hey, so y'all y'all working on a project, y'all collaborating and getting that information. And like, oh, did y'all? No, we're not working on anything. I'm like, well, what was the point? Right. <laughs> and we have these networks, these meetings, and it's like, what you, we have to have purpose behind it though. Like, are we are we forming this to be something bigger? Are we forming this to be a show? Are y'all work like you said, are we working on a project? Why are we all here together in one room that we don't have listeners here? Right. It shouldn't just be us at the show, meaning it shouldn't just be artists completely at a show. It should be listeners there as well. Like you have to build up a fan base and people are relying too much on their cousins, their friends to be their first fans, to be their first customers. When the, the biggest person that's going to be your fan is going to definitely be the stranger every time, every time. Cause I have literally had people that, you know, I don't talk to, never met them before, but when they come to my table at a vending event, they're like, you know, these are the best candles I ever smelled. Oh, I'll pay this much for it. Can I not have, I don't, I'm not worried about no discount. You don't have to worry about that. But you can talk to your cousin tomorrow. She'd be like, well, I need 15% off. I mean, I'm like, well, did you go to Bath and Body Works and ask them for 15% off? Or did you, when you went to the Dove section at Walmart, you ain't go to the, the front and be like, can I get a 15% off coupon or nothing? Did you? So why respect my business like that? And that's what I'm saying for artists too. Like when it comes to being around other new people, mm-hmm. get to know the new people. Don't just, you know, stay in there and keep talking to artists that you see every week in the same place. You right. have to build outside of that. So yeah. I always say when people start businesses, you know, they get so upset. You know, my family, not mm-hmm. so, like your family is not your target audience. The sooner you get that, <laughs> the sooner you will understand what your business model should look like. Yes, you want your family to support you, but they're probably not going to be your biggest supporter. It's not nope. worth it. Nope. And then you, you find yourself locked in a box when you get stuck in that mindset. Meaning there's nothing, in, unless you change that mindset there, you're stuck. Because that's all, if that's all you're thinking, that's all you're thinking. If you think that your cousin, your grandma, and your mom, and everybody is going to be your only people that support, and then you're already stuck. You're already, you're not yeah. even ahead because you you so stuck over here worried about whether or not Cuzzo is going to support you instead of worrying about whether or not everybody else in the world is. There's more than one state, and there's more than one city, and there's more than one household. Mm-hmm. If you think outside that box, outside Outside of your one household, you can imagine how many customers you could have. I mean, you can get customers in India, China. It doesn't matter all across the world. But you're worried about right here, Virginia Beach, Virginia, at your house. <laughs> that That's is the thing to worry about. And I tell artists the same thing when it comes to music. I'm like, you can't sit here and keep trying to create rollout plans for just this area and just worried about getting on shows in this area. Like to become that star that people want to be, you have to put yourself out there, literally. Meaning they're not just getting fans like big artists. They're not just getting fans from one place, not just from their hometown. Half of the time, it didn't start from the hometown. And that's where any business, any artist, anything that it is that you're actually doing. You are so right. <laughs> I didn't mean to come talk everybody head off today, y'all. I just had a long day and I said, you know what? <laughs> 
I'm going to get it off my chest. Well, you know what? What we do here at the Emerge Radio Show, we talk. So you are right in alignment with expectations. <laughs> thinking that. We like doing talking and we love to listen as well. So this has been definitely a pleasure for sure. I appreciate y'all. It's been great because y'all been asking some nice questions. You know, we're just feeding up your energy, but we do have a couple more questions. I know we're yes. coming up time. So this is one of the most important questions we'll ask. If people who are listening, they want to learn more about you, they want to follow you on social media. Media. Can you give us your contact information, your website, and your social media? Yes, and I also sent them an About Me page, so it'll have my pictures as well as my business names as well as my Instagrams. But my Instagram is Good Vibes, which is G-H-U-D dot Vibes V-I-B-E-S. And if you want to know how I got that name, you got to DM me for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> my other Instagram is Be Blunt About It underscore, and then Jay's Luxury Candles is just how it is. Jay's Luxury Candles, and then and I also have a website and it's the same thing, www.jane's luxury candles. So yeah, that's me. And if you ever need someone to host events, my name of course is Diamond Michelle and I call her, I call myself everyone's favorite host. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Everyone's favorite host, Tom. Huh? I okay. like it. We got, you. got a favorite realtor. I branded myself today as the ultimate professional and I'm putting it everywhere. <laughs> okay. You put it out there and let the world um, receive it, right? Put it in the atmosphere, let it manifest. I love it. So now is time for our signature question, Diamond. We love to <laughs> ask everyone this when they stop by the Emerge Radio Show, of course. And that is, what does the word emerge mean to you? Ooh, uh, I would say uh, that's such a, hmm. I want to say to come out, but to like come out strong, I would say. Yes, come out strong. Come out about your business strong. I mean, when we talk about Emerge Radio, we're talking about entrepreneurship. We're talking about your business. We're talking about lifestyle and things. So I would say coming out about your lifestyle, coming about your business, coming about anything that you have that is informational towards others. Um, yeah. <laughs> coming out positive because everything here today has been positive. So, um, yeah. Love it. Come on, Dorothy. I know you want to close out. You've been too quiet. You talked about me being quiet. You I know, but I, it's been awesome because I'm like, me and Deshana are like a tennis match. We're like the uh, Williams sisters. I'm like, <laughs> she ain't giving I'm giving it. She's getting it. I'm getting it. So I was just sitting here loving it. Like, yes, because you've been on point tonight. So I will close us out. Diamond, it has been awesome to have you today. This is the Emerge Radio Show. We're just thankful that you guys came in today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You're listening to Emerge the Podcast. If you would like to partner with us and have your business spotlighted on the show, contact us at EmergeTheMagazine.com. Welcome back. I'm Dorothea Schuler, and you're listening to the Emerge Radio Show. The show that's all about entrepreneurs and business and is the premier information source for business owners. Okay, every living being operates and proceeds throughout the course of their lives based upon a series of decisions. A decision is a conclusion or resolution reached after consideration. And divine means excellence. So we're making an excellent choice. With that being said, let's make the divine decision today to occupy. 
The dictionary defines occupy as to reside or have one place of, to fill or preoccupy. Okay, we know that right now, at this very moment, we're all occupying something. A bed, a car, a chair, maybe you're working in a toll booth. Hey, you could even be occupying a boat at the moment, taking a nice afternoon sail, venturing along the Chesapeake Bay. <laughs> My point, we're more than likely aware of when and how we're occupying something physically. Okay, so I won't waste time turning this around. I want to ask the question, what are you occupying mentally? Are your thoughts concise, clear, direct, enabling you the ability to envision your goals and follow them by mentally occupying a particular path or mindset required to emerge you into the next level? Or are your thoughts cluttered, confusing, unstable, disabling your vision, causing you to abandon sound mental occupancy, creating doubt, and resulting in the failure to become the greater version of yourself. My hope today is that you receive a new revelation on what it means to occupy, what it means to consciously reside or have one place to fill. If we're talking about driving a car, then please do it while sober and responsibly. Don't text. Act as if your life and others depends on it, because it does. If you set a goal like obtaining your degree, occupy your mind with the diligence, discipline, and consistency needed to complete your goal. Make conscious decisions to occupy however and wherever, and do it with a good attitude. Here's something that I saw to be relevant for today's divine decision. It's from my favorite book, the Bible. And he called 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds and said unto them, occupy until I come. Meaning we are to be occupied in the work given us and also to have something to show for it in return. Join me today and make the divine decision to occupy until the time comes. Knowing ultimately it will emerge you into where you're going. This, my friends, has been another divine decision with Dorothea. You can make the decision to be a part of Emerge by submitting your response to our signature question. What does the word Emerge mean to you? Share that with us on our IG at Emerge the Magazine. This week's response, well, it's for me, Dorothea, your host for Divine Decisions with Dorothea, of course. I also serve as the Chief Marketing Officer here at Emerge. All right, so what does the word Emerge mean to me? Ascending to a higher level daily, first in your relationship with Christ, which brings God blessing, favor, and the authority to ascend your thoughts, thus emerging you into greater. Yep, that's what it means and what it has meant to me. And you can follow me on IG at Divine Decisions underscore Emerge the Mag. That's Divine, D-I-V-I-N-E, Decisions, D-E-C-I-S-I-O-N-S underscore Emerge the Mag. That's M-A-G. Okay, thanks for listening to the Emerge Radio Show. Well, hi, Chastity. We are so excited to have you on the show today. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I uh, can't complain. Shana, how about you? I'm doing absolutely amazing. Thank you for asking. <laughs> good. Yes, I always start off with a good show when everybody's having a good day, right? <laughs> yes. So, Chastity, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Well, I'm the founder and CEO of Social Butterflies Foundation, which is a grassroots nonprofit organization that helps lupus and fibromyalgia survivors and their families. And I, too, also am a lupus survivor. Oh, that is amazing. Look, you got my full attention. So my mom and my oldest sister suffer from fibromyalgia. So I know firsthand. Wow. How I don't even have words to describe what they go through and what I've seen them overcome. So, yeah. So thank you. You're welcome. It's definitely a challenge living with any kind of chronic and debilitating illness. So I definitely understand what your mother and your sister are going through. So you gave us a short intro, but I know there's so much of the story behind that short intro. So how how did you start the foundation and what were the steps it took? Uh, well, I got diagnosed with lupus uh, the year I just graduated with my master's degree from Norfolk State University. I was in that first cohort for a master's in criminal justice. And basically, after I graduated, you know how the thesis stresses everybody out. They think that the thesis and that time frame, all that stress probably triggered my lupus. So it's something that could have been dormant in me for a while. When I got diagnosed at first, I was just like other people, not sure about what this illness is, what it means for me. It's interfering with my plans for me, <laughs> you know, because my plan was to go ahead and go to law school by 2006. And when I got the diagnosis, everything just started happening real quickly. They thought it just affected my skin, which is discoid lupus. But by the time January of 2006 rolled around, I started presenting more significant signs from having a pulmonary embolism, pneumonia, meningitis, a mild stroke, epilepsy attack. So by then they knew that I had systemic lupus. And it, it was it was a trying time for me. And once I pulled myself up, I was able to start speaking out about lupus and finding out that other people had it too. So I wasn't as alone as I thought started advocating for it and going to the walk that the larger foundation has in Richmond. And then I encouraged and pushed them to bring the walk to the Hampton Roads area because wherever the walks were, that's where they got more awareness and, and more funding. When that chapter, the DMV chapter of that organization folded, the national office took over. And so all the resources and assistance went away with the chapter. That wasn't suffice for me. And I knew that we needed assistance. Research is great, but you also need to be able to live for the day. You know, you got to be able to pay your medical expenses, get your prescriptions and still be able to pay for your utilities, your rent. So God placed it in my mind and heart start Social Butterflies Foundation. I already pretty much did most of the legwork by raising awareness in the area. And that's something that we don't just do for the month of May. May is Lupus and Fibromyalgia Awareness Month. We don't live with the illness for just one month, you know, so we raise awareness year round. I say it's Lupus and Fibromyalgia is not a month, it's a movement. And in October, October 5th, 2018, Social Butterflies Foundation became a registered 501c3 nonprofit. We did the steps like most nonprofits do. You have to go through your state and file for your non-stock corporation and get your EIN and submit the paperwork um, so that you could become a 501c3. Make sure you register with our charitable regulations for the state of Virginia. And last year, we actually started 
doing services and assisting and doing activities in the state of Maryland. So we're also registered in the state of Maryland. That is awesome. So where did the name um, Social Butterfly come from? (laughs) Uh, I'm a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority and my line sister used to call me a social butterfly all the time because she said, no matter where I go, I can make a friend, (laughs) you know? So I got it from her and it just so happened that one of the telltale signs for lupus survivors, they usually would get a butterfly rash over the bridge of their face. It just connected. I guess it was ordained. <laughs> oh, wow. I did not. I didn't know that. That uh, It's very nice that you, you know, that it's connected like that. You're right. It definitely is. Definitely is ordained. And we thank you for all of your hard work and you reaching so many people and really helping them, the people who have lupus, the survivors, the caregivers, all of them, because we know it takes a village to go through that. We really appreciate it. So tell us about this journey of how you emerged from 2018 to now you're, you're opening up, I as a center and not a center, but you're starting to do work in Maryland. That is pretty, pretty cool. Expansion. We love it. Yeah. When it kind of, the COVID, the pandemic kind of, you know, helped push us in that direction because we did our walk, in-person walk in 2019. And then, you know, COVID, everything shut down in 2020. And so we had to start doing virtual events. So we made the walk a virtual walk. When we opened up to doing a virtual walk, we got support from all over the nation. We even had people in Guam registering for the walk. So it was like, oh, wow. People are starting to be aware of who we are and what we do and they're supporting as more and more people were coming from Alaska and all these other, I mean, even the UK, you know, we were like, okay, so we need to start expanding some, but for us, you know how you have to step your foot in a little bit where you're close to. We're not going to be able to have a chapter in all state, but we have four members that are in Maryland and DMV. So our goal is to do Maryland and then maybe next year hit North Carolina since the states are so close to each other. But yeah, people have been asking us to do walks and events and things in Texas, Louisiana, South Carolina. So it's definitely a a need and a desire because people don't have the support that they need currently. So we do do the virtual support groups and we have our Facebook groups and things like that. And if someone in another state need assistance, we will still help them out as long as they meet the criteria. I don't want to say you won't be in all 50 states. You never, ever know (laughs) how far you can go, how much you can emerge, right? Right. That's true. (laughs) So tell us. I guess what it was like when you were first diagnosed and how you felt and then how you turned that feeling into being one of advocacy and strength for others, because we know that's not an easy path. It's truly not. Honestly, when I got the diagnosis, I felt confused, alone, hurt, scared, you know, not knowing what was going to happen. And I had a conversation with my mom and my sister on three-way and all of us boohooing and crying. And I remember telling them, at least I know what I'm going to die from. That's how devastating that news was for me. But I'm not going to allow this illness to defeat me. So once I got through, you know, you go through your grieving stages. I got through the the crying and boohoo and now it's like I'm ready to fight and I need to learn more so that I could be able to advocate for myself because you are your own best advocate. So I know what to ask the doctors, what I need to know. How can I manage this illness? How can I get the flares so they won't be so persistent or, you know, debilitating? 
So yeah, it was, it was hard. It was real hard. But once I started speaking out and finding out there was other people, people would say, oh, my aunt has lupus or someone comes say, oh, I have lupus. But people are so quiet. It's like they keep it like the dirty little secret. You know how you have a little family secrets. Shh, you don't tell nobody what's going on in your right. You know, it's like one of those illnesses where a lot of people don't want to come forth because they're concerned about what people are going to think, concerned about their job, if their employer is going to be willing to work with them. Um, because you do have times where you may miss some days from work because you just simply cannot move. There's going to be times where you're going to be extremely lethargic. And to some people on the outside, they probably just think, oh, you just being lazy. But no, our tired is totally different <laughs> from somebody else's tired. You know, even with the fibromyalgia, there's probably times when your mother, sister, you, you can't hug them as tight as you want to because it would hurt. You know, yeah. you wouldn't think a hug would hurt, but it can <laughs> You know, it's, it's funny you brought that up because I remember growing up and seeing my mom and sister being sickly and not understanding it, right? So to me, I hate to say it, I'm just like, you know, they're faking, they're putting on like, okay, we only went to the mall and walked around for a couple hours. Like, how are you so tired? You can't get out of bed for the next couple of days. So when they were finally diagnosed, you know, years after going to doctors, finally being diagnosed and they're like, it's like every nerve in our body is mm -hmm. overacting. And they're like, and that's tiring. They're like, so you're you're already tired. And then we have to do other stuff and it makes you even more tired. They're like, you don't know how much of a struggle it is just to get out of bed, just to go yes. to work, you know, just to do these things. My mom's like, it's a chore walking to the mailbox someday. She's like, a flare up is nothing I would wish on my worst enemy. And I'm like, are you serious? It's, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, they're, they're telling the truth. And and people do look at you and they'll see your outward appearance and be like, well, you don't look sick. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, please tell me what sick is supposed to look like. Right. You know? <laughs> Give me a definition or some kind of visual. How is sick supposed to look? So you learn to show compassion for other people and not judge that book by its cover because you never really know what someone is going through. So I try to make sure I project that and I remember that when I'm dealing with someone else instead of being quick to say, ain't nothing wrong with that girl. Yeah, I you definitely know? <laughs> don't say that. But I do have a question, right? And this is for my own education because I stay on the go, right? I'm always, oh, I achieved this great one to the next day. My mom was like, hey, I was, my mom and my sister both say, we were like that. You really need to slow down. If you don't slow down, your body will slow you down. So what is it that we can do, if anything, to prevent things like lupus or fibromyalgia? There's nothing you can do to prevent getting it. Okay. No one really truly knows how we get it. Some will say that it's hereditary. Some will say some kind of stressor triggered the illness and it was dormant in you. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it could be medications and drug-induced. At least with lupus, it could be drug-induced. So you, because they can't really identify the cause, there's no way for us to truly know how to prevent because otherwise you would have 1.5 million people trying to... <laughs> oh, I'm about to stop this. <laughs> I mean, we really wish it was. And situations like with fibromyalgia, they, they love to give you medications to help treat the nerve pain, the pain. Mm -hmm. So all you're doing is putting a Band-Aid on it, but right. you're not resolving the issue. With lupus, they didn't even have a medication specifically for lupus until 2011. Prior to that, they was giving everyone Plaquenil, which was used to treat malaria. Now, you know, that's real antiquated. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think there's anyone walking around right now with malaria. Look, not going to um, 
<laughs> we hope right. <laughs> and you know, it's the same medication that uh, number 45 Trump was telling everybody to take to help with COVID. And I'm like, don't be telling these people to take this medicine. They don't know the side effects from it because Plaquenil can cause you to lose your vision and a whole bunch of different things. So you got to be careful. You can't just right. take anything, you know? So it's a trying time. Sometimes I feel like a guinea pig because we have to keep trying different things to see what my body will respond positively to. Right. Yeah. I see that mirrored in my mom and my sister for fibromyalgia. And one thing they say, they're like, hey, we cannot take any generic drugs. And they're like, it's a fight, you know, even with insurance. She's like, we can't take it. They're like, that will probably kill us quicker than living with fibromyalgia. They have to take all brand new drugs when they find something that works. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, my mom being of the age, she's in her 60s and, you know, what is it, Medicare or is it Medicare? Yeah. It's, it's Medicare. I'm on the phone with them. I'm like, how much is it? Like, can we just pay for it? And then they show me the price. I'm like, okay, so we can't just pay for it. Okay, I got you. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it really is. And that's one of the things that I've had discussions with Delegate Price about we had a discussion. I was telling her sometimes like the insurance plans with the Medicare or even Medicaid, sometimes they don't want to cover the cost of the prescriptions or they leave an absorbent copay for the survivor to pay. Now, if that survivor is living on a fixed income, they're not going to be able to afford $200 for a medication for a copay or 80 some dollars, whatever it may be, because that's taken away from the other living expenses. And that's one of the things that social butterflies do for one of our programs. You know, we do have emergency medical financial assistance. So if your co-pays, let's say, oh, I owe my doctor $80. I can't go back to him until I pay that $80 off. They complete the form with us. We verify the information and we will pay that doctor's office that $80 because you have to get treated. You have to be monitored by your physician because you just never know what may pop up. That is very true. So tell us about the programs that you do have, because you just mentioned the emergency fund one, and I'm sure you have plenty others. And then also tell us like your revenue sources, like how we can support you. We have, like I said, the emergency financial assistance to help with the medical bills, prescriptions, utilities. Sometimes people need help with utilities. We have a college scholarship. We don't want children not to go to college because their family can't afford it. So we've been fortunate enough to get support from Dominion Energy and some other grants like through Langley Federal Credit Union, Walmart grants. We try to find as many grants as we can to help cover the cost of the program. So they help us to be able to give like a $2,000 scholarship to a young survivor or the child of a survivor. We have our wig outreach program. There's been hair stores, beauty supply stores that's been donating units or donating gift cards so that if someone develops alopecia because of either the medications they're taking or the illness itself, then they could come to us and we could help them get a hair hat. Instead of a wig, we call it a hair hat. Um, and, but our wig outreach program doesn't just teach people how to install wigs or to wear wigs. We talk about the inside too. So we work inward and out. Like different good foods that you should be eating to help water, the juices, the foods that cause inflammation that we should stay away from. So it looks at the whole body when it comes to the beauty. 
and we have our care outreach program. That program is consists of different things. So it could be our holiday outreach. We adopt families during the holiday and have like a, a holiday party and give them gifts and things like that. Ooh, we did back to school backpack drives with the backpack filled with school supplies. Even if someone's going through bereavement or they've been hospitalized or they just had a baby or, you know, they just celebrated a huge milestone. We're there to celebrate, cry with you, laugh with you, all of it. So we let you know that you're not alone in this walk, in this journey. You're not alone. We're, we're here with you. We do our summit and health fairs where we connect the survivors and families with the medical community. And so they can also learn what other resources are available for them. What else we got? Gosh, we definitely do advocacy. Right now, we're working hard to try to get license plates for fibromyalgia and lupus because currently DMV does not offer one. So that specialty plate would be so crucial because it will help raise awareness. At the same time, the state donates $15 to the organization for each specialty plate that is sold. Can you imagine how many medical bills we could help pay <laughs> with that? So, but we have to get 450 pre-orders for lupus and 450 pre-orders for fibromyalgia before Delicate Price to create the bill to go to the General Assembly. Once we get that, we pretty much would have the plate and the awareness that we need. Can you imagine driving down the street and your mom saying, oh, she has fibromyalgia too. It also boosts, it boosts us up. It makes us feel good. Not, we're not happy that you have the illness. We're just happy that we're not alone in this. So it's, it's so many different things, different ways that people can help too. You know, volunteering. We have our butterfly walk coming up. You know, volunteering, the donations, monthly recurring donations. You know, you might want to each month donate five or $10. That's your Starbucks coffee. <laughs> and put it towards a good cause. That helps. Every bit helps. And we do have our online store on the website now where you could get fibromyalgia or lupus awareness items. And all the proceeds from the sales from the store goes back into helping survivors and their families. So, okay, can you repeat again? Where is that walk going to be? Um, the Butterfly Walk is going to be Saturday, June 10th from 5 to 9 p.m. at John B. Ty Stadium in Newport News. Oh. And you can register for the walk by going to butterflywalkforlupusandfibro.org. Awesome. Now, if people are interested in learning more about your resources, keeping up with your events or donating, let us know your, your website, your email, your social media, all that good stuff. Socialbutterfliesfoundation.org is the website and it's the same handle for our Instagram and our Facebook, Social Butterflies Foundation. We even have Twitter. So yeah, people still use Twitter. So, <laughs> so they can do that. And plus our office is located on Thimble Shows Boulevard, 749A Thimble Shows Boulevard. And they can always give me a call at 757-598-4532. Awesome. Now I do have one last question for you and it is our signature question. What does the word emerge mean to you? Gosh, when I hear the word emerge, it makes me think about like the phoenix rising from the ashes, emerging from the ashes, something new, something fresh, something better than what you shed it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ms. Chastity. It's been amazing having you on our show today and hearing more about all you're doing to support lupus and fibromyalgia survivors. We truly thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. You too. You are awesome. <laughs> Make sure you tell your mom and your sister to come out to the wall. Oh, I'm already about to text. <laughs> <laughs> emerge, emerge yourself.
You're listening to the Emerge Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, search Emerge Radio Show. On Instagram, Emerge the Magazine. And online, EmergeTheMagazine.com. I'm Deshana Kemp Garnett, and it's time for My Two Cents. Hello and happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another exciting edition of My Two Cents. Today's insight is success in finance comes from disciplined decisions, not impulsive reactions. Now, if you are my close friends, right, you know how impulsive I used to be. And that is something that I have been intentional about working on. So for you, I want you to picture your financial journey as a chessboard. Each move is going to require strategy and some foresight. The discipline and decision making is your knight in shining armor. And that's going to guard against impulsive moves that can jeopardize your financial kingdom. So just think about it. How have impulsive reactions affected your finances? Remember, it's not about the next move. It's about the right move. I'm Shana Kim Garnett, and that's my two cents. Here's what's coming up in Hampton Roads. Did you know the nominations are still open for the Emerge Business Gala? Well, they are. Nominations will be open until February 29th, 2024. You can nominate youth entrepreneurs, emerging entrepreneurs, most financial growth, most social media growth, best new startup, best nonprofit, and most influential. For additional information about the qualifications, visit EmergePremier.com. A special thank you for the guests on today's show. To listen to past episodes of the Emerge Radio Show, visit EmergeTheMagazine.com. You've been listening to the Emerge Radio Show. All opinions expressed on this show are that of our guests and may or may not be shared by the Emerge Radio Show staff. Follow us on Facebook. Search Emerge Radio Show on Instagram. Emerge the Magazine and online. EmergeTheMagazine.com.